Welcome to Cross-Platform Podcast, where we discuss how to solve productivity problems across platforms. I'm Augusto Pinot. And I'm Mark Elwix. And today we're talking about a favorite of mine, Mind Maps. So... Now, before we dig into it, you need to explain what a mind map is, because if it if you're trying to make a map of my brain, forget it. You, you might as well just start with a blanket sheet of paper and leave it. It's cross-platform, not impossibles that we're doing oh, here. Okay, yeah, there we go. There we go. That's what I was looking for right there. So now it's mind mapping is one of those weird things that you know it if you've seen it. Uh, because they look very distinctive. And I looked up the definition. Yes, I put the reading glasses back on. Uh, and the, the definition I found really breaks out mind mapping into five essential characteristics. Oh, nice. Um, one is that the main idea or the subject or the focus of it is, it's literally crystallized into one image. So the, in, the entire mental exercise around whatever you're exploring is in this map. It's not stored in multiple files. It's not spread out in multiple places. It's all right there at your fingertips. That said, it can feel exceptionally complex due to just the expansive nature of how a mind map can lay out. But it is all in one centralized image. The second step then is, and the second part, is that the main themes radiate from that center point as what are called branches. And it, it looks like branches. Uh, what you're really doing is you're building on that initial concept and exploring the different topics and then exploring them and so on and so forth. Each branch is comprised of either an image or a keyword put on a designated line. You're not talking novels here. This is one of the, the main differences from mind mapping to say outlining, where in outlining you can have lots of text in a section. Normally you'll have a sentence or two. Within a mind map, it's usually only a few words within each node of the map. As you get into the topics of, the le of lesser importance, as you move further away from the center, they become what's referred to in here as twigs of the relevant branch. Again, getting smaller and smaller and more granular pieces. But everything creates this interconnected nodal structure. And it's that interconnected structure that really, I think, is the power of mind mapping. The ability at any time to be looking at this diagram that you're creating and allow your brain to jump from section to section to section and build dynamically as you're working through a concept. So, so the definition I have for that, I didn't went into the characteristics, but I went into the definition and it's a diagram to visualize and organize information. That's usually how I explain to people. It is just a diagram that we're going to use to visualize and organize information. And I agree, the center, the, the closer you get to the center, the more relevant the information is, the farther you are from the center, the, the less is. The, the term mind map, as far as my knowledge goes, was popularized by a British called Tony Busan. He was a psychologist and he was the one beginning to explain this concept of mind mapping. Um, when I learned my, about mind mapping, I was on high school. That's terrible. That's so old, but it still was on a paper and I was not a good paper person. So I I have loved paper and I have bought more paper in my life than I care to admit, but I lost them. I don't care for the paper, so I always lose them. My The first time I really got into getting the, the value out of the mind mapping was when I was able to digitize that into an application at the time or still exist, but I, I don't use it anymore as my main application called Mind Manager. Uh, that's when I really begin to really explore and expand and use that really, really heavily. Yeah, there's, I've been using mind mapping. I think I originally read Tony Buzon's 
book on mind mapping probably the year it came out. It's been forever. And I used to do, or at least try to do, mind mapping on paper. And I always found that was a bit of a struggle because one of the, the greatest advantages of doing mind mapping in a digital space is it's easy to adjust. You can create new branches, you can create new nodes easily enough on paper, but you can't move them around easily. Within all the digital tools that I've worked with over the years, they all have that capability of taking a node from one branch and moving it to another, which to me is really compelling as you let your brain wander around an idea. For example, when I was just putting together notes for this show, I created a mind map for that. And as you start to dig into some of those items, you start to say, okay, so I want to gather information about the definition. Well, then as I started to do the research on the definition, each part of the definition became a node. And it allows me to explore those nodes, looking at things like, for example, as part of the definition, it encourages brainstorming. Well, then I need to dig into a little bit as to, well, what tools work well for brainstorming and what ones don't? If I'm just making a list, the odds are potential that I might miss exploring that particular thought chain. But within a mind map, because everything's in front of me, I have that opportunity to, to constantly re revisit parts of it and, it and allow my brain to explore and expand and extrapolate on. The other part is that I can create relationships much easier within a digital application than I can, can in an analog one. So if I have something like the definition and the node under the definition is encourages brainstorming, I may have in the examples section, say I've created a node for that, I have a, a node under that for brainstorming. I can connect the two. So it gives me an opportunity to follow that thought process always through. And there's some tools out there that do that extremely well. Uh, there's one called the brain which is really mm -hmm. good at hyperlinking between thoughts and ideas. And there's other ones like, I believe it's either Rome or Obsidian that aren't truly mind mapping tools, but they work in similar ways, allowing you to provide that interconnect. But I find that the mind mapping visual experience is probably the most engaging piece. You know, that's, that's interesting. The brain, I, I have used the brain um but i don't know if i consider the brain a mind mapping application or uh you know it breaks the the ability to connect things and to relate things is incredible but i like my flat vision it's way too animated for me the brain to it gets to a point that is distracting and i lose the size one of the things that it's great in my mapping, and I, I use an application today called MindNode. That's my main uh, application. It's synchronized with the iPad, synchronized with the Mac, and size gets to be a point. You know, there is some of these mind maps that start getting legs of legs of legs, and there is someone that says, "Stop, let me." Corral back so I can have them and or even sometimes split them into parts and I just make you know a calling to a different mind map so I can come back later and do it because it gets too large and too complicated. Yeah, there's there's definitely a scale issue that you can get into with mind maps because it, the term map is a very accurate connection to this because if you think about navigating a regular geographic map if you look at a map say of the united states or of europe that's a lot to take in there's mm -hmm. so much in it and you have to dig further and further down into it to get to a level of detail that it's even manageable well often that's the same thing that can happen with a complex mind map correct it can expand out significantly and while it does give you that ability to dig into key areas, you, you have that ability to then back out and get a high-level perspective. And again, that's one of the things that I like about the digital ones is that 
almost all of the digital applications, regardless of the platform you're using them on, have the ability to collapse and expand nodes. So, for example, if, you're t if I use the example from this show, if I'm creating one called show, a node called Show Topics, I may have 30 different things in there. But now mm -hmm. if I'm going to work on another part of the mind map, such as you know, Core Narrative, I don't need to have those 30 items under Show Topics glaring me in the face the whole time. The ability from a digital application to collapse that node until I need it again is extremely useful around focus. And when we take mind mapping out of the brainstorming realm and we push it into other realms, we push it into realms such as note taking and education and studying and project planning and task management. Now that ability to focus on segments within the mind map becomes incredibly powerful. One of the best ways I've used mind maps is in capturing requirements for a project literally sitting there with and this the the example i'll give is sitting in a meeting room with a bunch of people a projector the mind mapping application and up on the screen all you have is a little oval in the middle of the screen with the name of the project and that's what we start from and then using the mind map to build out all the requirements that we're going to need to capture and and address People look at that initially, and if you ever want a deer in headlights look from an individual, do that to them. Put that little oval up there and say, okay, we're going to capture our requirements. And they'll look at you like, where do we start? But it's very organic, and it feels very natural after the first few minutes of saying, oh, I get this. I understand, you know, I see something there, and I want to build on that. Fine, then we add a note, and you carry that forward. Where the tools really come in handy, and this is where when you look at cross-platform capability, you want to look at the ability, how do you get that information out of a mind map? Not only just living within that big diagram, but how usable is it? And what other things can you do with it? Some applications, you're kind of stuck. You create this mind map and you can't do anything else with it. If you use something like a PowerPoint or a Visio or something along that line, hey, you can create a diagram, but can you turn that into an outline structure? Can you turn it into a checklist? Can you turn it into a project plan? Well, and, and there is a couple of important things. I have experienced both. I have experienced when I have tried to do that on the mind map and that overwhelmed people because they're not familiar with them. And then it's like, oh, can we go into an outline? And again, one of the reasons I love my node is because you can do that. You can turn mind map to outline. So I can go and if it gets overwhelmed, I turn to an outline and we can work into where most people is familiar. And then, you know, I can turn it back. Sometimes it works great for them to see it as a mind map. Sometimes it's overwhelming for the people. So have that ability to switch between one or the other. It's really powerful for me. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that you have to, there's a learning curve that comes along with mind mapping. Absolutely. And it's not only learning the process of effective mind mapping, which works on any application, but it's also learning the efficiencies of said applications. Uh, there's two that I use frequently. There's FreeMind, which is actually an open source application that is as it, in its name, free. And there's one called SimpleMind Pro that I use. Now, I've used FreeMind for a long time, but I use SimpleMind Pro more. And I use it because not only is it PC-based, but it's also Android-based. So I can run it on my tablet and on my Chromebook and on my phone. And, but it also, I can use my stylus with it so I can drag nodes around and update things. Uh, it has a depth of functionality that some of the other applications don't have. Some of it's unnecessary to, from just the basic mind mapping concept, but are very necessary when I take it further down the path. So for example, if we take mind mapping out of the realm of just brainstorming and we get into the realm of, let's say, task planning or project planning, the ability to create nodes off of a core idea, for example, things that have to be done, 
maybe packing, you know, packing up a garage to move. You want that checklist of all the things that you need to do. Those can all be individual nodes. Well, the application, for example, SimpleMind Pro, allows you to sign a checkbox to each one of those and then say, show me all the nodes that are incomplete. So it gives me a visual map and a progressive map as to the status of the overall engagement. It's different. It's very different than using a t traditional task list or anything along that line. But for some people, it can be very engaging, especially people who are heavily visually focused. Right. Yeah, I, I recommend one called Mind42. And what Mind42 has a special is that has the collaboration. So many people can log in into the same map and work. Yeah, there's definitely, if, if you can get a team comfortable. Oh, it's super powerful. Yeah, it can be extremely compelling. Uh, it, it Again, there's that learning curve and they have, they can sometimes have a challenge of, there can be a problem with consistency within a mind map on a team. So for example, if you have multiple people handling multiple nodes, you wind up with an inconsistency as to how those nodes are defined. So that's something that has to be refined with time. But that said, you're still going through this mechanic of being able to think in a dynamic met in a dynamic way that often people just don't have the opportunity to do. They're not trying, as I said, they're not trying to build an outline. They're not trying to build a checklist or anything. They're allowing that creative free, free flow of ideas, which is something we're all striving for. Mind mapping is also something I find that really works well in a virtual environment. We talk about, you know, having a virtual conference, you know, conference call and people are all over the place uh, and being able to get everybody on the same page can be very difficult if you're just putting a Word document up on the screen and typing things in. It doesn't engage them. It doesn't connect with them. But when you take something like a mind map that has colors, it has shapes, it has curves, it has, you know, you add image in components in, so there's maybe iconography that ties to different types of things. All of that becomes much more visually engaging, which draws people back into the conversation. And it can be very powerful that way in keeping people as part of the discussion. Um, that said, that learning curve can sometimes be prohibitive. Oh, yeah. you, ha you have to watch with your teams what their initial reaction is to say, wait, this is too complicated for me. I have found most effective mind map usage with a team, especially for, say, the first 10 times you do it, is best facilitated, not just thrown in into a collaboration environment. Have somebody who knows how to do it, has taken the time to learn the application, and can drive the tool rather than worrying about what the actual discussion process is. And, and that goes in the same line, you know, of those meetings of let's have an idea and you open the meeting and say, okay, who had a good idea? That meeting is wasted. And the same thing happening to the mind map. The first time I was leading a meeting and I opened the mind map, I've been doing mind maps for a while. Mm -hmm. So that was a really good way for me to think. The people in that room were not, and I remember their faces, as there came that blank page with just a little square yeah. that says problem A. So if you want to use this and you are going to be in that it's best to start introducing the concept little by little and give them a time for people to embrace the concept. One of the things I did after, after that initial experience was every time we had the one-on-one, -on -one, I opened the mind map that I was taking notes on. Mm -hmm. So there was no surprise for this person, what I was evaluating, what I was doing, what I was tracking. So the team got really used to think this way and to use it. So it took me a little bit to turn it into a tool. Um, but after people got used to that, as you said, it was an incredible, incredible tool. Yeah, one of the techniques I use a lot, especially with people who aren't familiar with mind maps, and it's a situation where I know a mind map is going to be beneficial. 
I'll do what I call preceding. I'll start the mind map, create the thin, the central node of mm -hmm. what we're doing, and then create a layer of nodes with the agenda of what that session is supposed to cover. All the key topics we need to hit. And then I'll create one more layer of nodes attached to all of those, which are thought triggers around those items. So, for example, I was helping two guys do uh, some potential business planning. They're thinking about starting a business. They want to go through all of the discussions and, and things they need to address and take into consideration. So by starting with a mind map, we were able to then say services. And the nodes under services are what are services you want to deliver and what are services you don't want to deliver. Well, it sounds fairly obvious, but when when things start to go off track or you can tell that the brainstorming just isn't quite happening. You can collapse everything else out of their vision and you can keep just the thing you're working on right there in the center of the screen and carry that forward and have that discussion. And it's, it's interesting to observe people interacting with a mind map, especially the first couple of times, because where in most cases they will be listening to the conversations, the mind maps, they are always watching. Yep. Especially if, if you're like me and you like to, to move nodes around and realign nodes and things like that. You always keep little things in motion because it keeps them connected. Well, um, it's, it's, it's a different meeting because mm -hmm. it's now, this is not a meeting of come and, and, and listen. This is a meeting of come and interact. And I think people are more used to meetings of come and listen than meetings of come and interact. Exactly. It. Now, mind mapping is a very good tool also if you are trying to deliver content. Um, I've used it that way as well. The problem is, is most content delivery has a structured order to it. So, for example, you know, you, death by PowerPoint is a perfect example of that. Well, one of the things you can do with a mind map is you can create that presentation sequence. You can create those individual images and drop them in and have that sequence, but then have all your supplementary content and all your supporting information in other nodes within the mind map. They're suppressed, you know, they've been collapsed, but they're readily available and you can explore. And at the same time, as discussions happen, you can add a node for action items. You can add a node for new ideas. You can create your parking lot. And you can add image. You can add attachments. You can do everything. Yeah, Precisely. And it's all right there and it's all available. And this is where, again, you get back to that export capability. Can you take a mind map and then get it out of the tool it's in? If I look at Simple Mind Pro right now, just the mind map I'm looking at, I can print it. I can print an outline of it. I can export the mind map itself, an outline. I can export it as a website, so I can drop it right into a site, and it's an HTML-based clickable environment. I can even export it to a calendar or generate a template from it. These are all basic things, but these are things that make this information portable, especially if people who aren't 100% comfortable with this approach of you know this visual map. So... Going back to, to the show, I think we have covered a great deal of what the mind map is, how different uses you can, and all that. But comes to, well, how we're going to do this when we are cross-platform. Because you mentioned, I mentioned the PC, you mentioned the tablets, the Android tablets, or the iPads. I mentioned the iPads. So is mind mapping different when you do it on the PC or you do it on the tablet or you do it on the phone or uh, it's the same. No, it's very much different. And I think you'll agree with me. Uh, mind mapping is a tool that really needs real estate. It's very difficult to do effective mind mapping on something the size of a phone. It's, it is doable, but you, part of the benefit of mind mapping is having things spread out, having things visually laid out. And a phone just naturally precludes that. It's accessible. You can use it. That's fine. But it's, it's far from the optimal experience. So if we take the bottom level of the mobile platform out of the equation and we start and we focus on things from tablets on up, now you have to look at applications that are either native applications or 
web-based applications. And where this really comes into play is how does it share data between them? Uh, for example, there's one called MindMup, M-U-P, which is completely browser-based. Uh, there's another one called LucidChart. LucidChart does mind mapping. It's also completely browser-based. So you don't have to worry about things such as synchronizing information between them. You're running straight out of the, the browser. That said, though, there's functional limitations because they're browser-based. Correct. If you, if you want more robust applications, you have to go with something that's based as an app. So it's either going to run on the desktop machine or it's going to run natively on the tablet as an app itself. This is where the cross-platform question really comes into play. And I have to admit, I don't, I don't have a lot of dig into, say, Windows to Apple cross-platform on mind mapping tools. But I can tell you the reason why I settled on SimpleMind Pro is its ability to, as a default, save its structures to a, a cloud-based drive. It doesn't worry about synchronizing between copies. They've done it actually the smart way in my book. Instead of trying to make local copies of the files, they just make the cloud drive available as a storage point within the tool. And they make sure that all the versions of the app read the exact same file format. Mm -hmm. That goes a huge, huge way to making this much easier to work with. Because I know if I make modifications on my desktop and then I go grab my tablet, I'm going to be working with the same file. Right. Not every application does that. And that's definitely a limitation I've found of some of them. Sometimes the, especially if you're looking at the mobile app versus the desktop app, the file formats may be a little bit different. They don't have the same equivalent level of functionality. I, I have found that the functionality on this thing is pretty much identical. Uh, but you have to take that into account. Is this format going to be available where you need it? Is it going to be updated when you need it? And are you going to introduce problems by starting in one spot, changing it in another, and then coming back to the first part to make additional changes? Does that create a transitionary problem? So, so let me answer that from my experience. I have clients who use MindMap, different applications than mine. And I have seen clients who work into a certain application themselves, but then they need to share with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And now that gets out. So there is one thing that mind maps, at least as far as I know, is pretty standard as 2021. And is the OPML export format. I think at this day, almost everybody, if not everybody, interact with the OPML. And what that allows you is that you can export that mind map into a format that anybody can import into their application. So it doesn't matter if I work on MyNote or MindManager or FreeMind, I will be able to export, compress, and email that way so the other person can open and interact. Yeah, and that is definite. <clears throat> I just checked to be sure because I didn't want to say if it was or wasn't until I looked. Um, but you're right. The, o the OPML format is what I think so many other applications should be thinking about doing. They've used OPML in mind mapping. It's kind of become a def default sta standard of saying, okay. But it's great. It's perfect because I can go. Now, granted, it's still OPML, which means that not every function is going to transfer. Anything that's True. proprietary to an application is not going to transfer over. But what it does mean is for example, I can take an app, I can take a mind map that I created in FreeMind, pull it over into SimpleMind Pro, and then send you an OPML file that I know you're going to be able to open and work with. Right, and that is super powerful when we talk about, and this is a praise for for really the the mind manager community because that makes me moving my data from my iPad to the application you use on the Android or the Windows or the Mac or Linux even, piece of cake, because it's true. The specific functions of certain apps may not move, but the data will. So that way, when I send you this mind map for you to look into or for work into it, you are not going to lose all this information. And that is a really, really good thing. 
Yeah, there's no, there's no question that having confidence in a file format, it sounds silly, but it's actually highly compelling. Well, but it's, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but if you think of how silly, let's bring an example for the people who are listening here. Think about a Word document. Okay, a Word document is supposed to be easy to transfer, but the reality is, if you create your document on Google Docs or I create it on Apple Pages, okay, or somebody else created on Microsoft Word, and we try to combine those three documents, it's not as easy as it sounds because there is not a good format to send it to open. Every one of them open and make little annoying changes into the document that make the document a different document because what they want is that you stay on Word or Sheets, uh, sorry, or uh, mm -hmm. Google Docs or in Works. Instead of, forget about it, let's make a format that works well everywhere and we let the user pick the platform. Yeah, and there was, there's been a battle for <clears throat> proprietary file formats for years. This has always been a challenge because every vendor who writes a piece of software wants you to use their piece of software and has this little bit of lock-in. Uh, it's, it's a rare application that says, we are going to design our application to be completely mm -hmm. open. Uh, even then, there are usually still some, some minor things just because of how they make functionality available. So when you start to think about using a tool like mind mapping, this is something that not only do you have to think about who's going to be accessing it where, what are all the platforms that it could potentially be accessed on, but what do you give up when that information moves from platform to platform to platform? If your entire team is going to be PC-based, that makes that discussion much easier because it's not truly cross-platform then. But if you have part of your team that's going to want to be able to pull this up on their iPads and part of it that want to be able to work with this on their Chromebooks, now you've got a different conversation. And I, I talk about this primarily from the corporate space, but let's take it from the education space. Mm -hmm. If I'm a teacher creating notes, creating a mind map of, of a course topic with all kinds of sub-information in it, that's extremely powerful. And most mind mapping tools allow you to display content in a read-only format. I can build out all the information I need to explore a given topic area and then share that out. A lot of times I can share it out as an image file. So I can create the map and the relationships, pull a JPEG from it, and put it into an education environment like you know, Google Classroom. It leverages the capability, but it still provides that shared access. But this is the same thing we talk about all the time. Know not only the tool, but know where the tool is going to be used. That's correct. That is correct. And it's so, so important. And even to consider those factors, to consider, okay, what's going to happen when I open? You know, there are many of these applications now, and that's a good thing, that are available on almost everywhere. And now it's a limit on our corporate if your machine is corporate, allowing you to install these applications. You know, I many years ago, I remember trying to convince IT that I needed my manager in my machine. <laughs> they were looking at me like, but that's not in the list of approval apps. Mm -hmm. Fine, but I need it anyways. So that may be the challenge, but not but it's not anymore the challenge of at least on the maps with the LPML format of where you're going to get, as you said, their applications, even on the web, on the browser are so solid that you can go and have a really solid, good app there. Yeah, it's, it's funny because one of the primary clients I've dealt with over the past several years, I think I'm one of maybe three people in their entire 15,000 person organization who's actually requested that FreeMind be installed from their software library. Um, I submitted the request and they're like, do we even have this? I'm like, yeah, it's right here in your listing. <laughs> they're like, well, what does it do? I'm like, uh, okay, let me show you what it does. But that's, that's the type of thing. This is a perfect example, not just these individual tools, but this concept of a tool that fits a unique opportunity to change how you do work. Mm -hmm. I mean, we think about so much about 
when you listen to our other shows, we think about trying to plan out something, plan out a project, plan out a week. It would be extremely easy to do weekly planning within a mind map. Painfully easy. Painfully easy. Create the nodes for each day of the week, expand off of them accordingly, create connections to them. The only thing you start to get into then is, can I do reminders? Can I do other things like that, that it's not designed to do in the first place. But if you're trying to lay out all of those different parts, it's, it's just an, a fantastically intuitive method of being able to do that. And we've talked about in previous shows about digital link. This is a natural connection to digital link. Just being able to use a stylus and create a node and then type in a title or create a node and write in, or even just on a drawing, digital drawing application. If you've got something that does vector graphics, you can do mind mapping extremely easy. It doesn't require specialized software if you, if you don't want to use it. But this is that type of gateway application that can open up a whole different way of doing things. And, and it's an interesting point you make with the, with the handwriting. And again, I begin opening the show, the paper version of that handwriting didn't work. That said, I have tried with the iPad, maybe to play, maybe not, maybe not things that I know are going to be extensive, but I have tried to many of them to do them, to just draw and see what it can get out of me so it, it is it is something that without any doubt that it gets really really interesting so when we talk about i mean you have you already mentioned the name of the the mind mapping tool you use all the time which one was that again my note my note okay so you have yours i have mine what's your favorite feature in mind note images you know, okay. the images is recent. It's I, I don't recall, and I may be completely wrong, but I do not recall that the versions I use of Mind Manager at the beginning where you could use, you could put images in some of those nodes. So mm -hmm. I love the images. I love the fact that I can reorganize things really, really fast and add things in the middle. Uh, for me, mind maps is a, are thinking tools. So it's I don't tend to have actions in my managers. I tend in mind maps. I tend to use the thinking and then from there extract the actions into the other tool. But to think and have a broad image it's something that I really, really enjoy. So it's, for me, it's more a thinking tool than an action tool. And, and over the years, I'm really comfortable to just come think and dump it. I don't need to visit that mind map ever again after the thinking is done. I don't tend to delete them, but, but I don't visit them necessarily. It's not a document that sometimes I come and there are some of them I have come and come and come, not because any other than the thought process wasn't done. But in many cases, as soon as the process of thinking is done, I can just move on and be good. Yeah, that can be a problem with mind maps is they become singular use entities. You create it, you capture the information, and then you never really have a reason to go back because you've already captured that information. It, it, it can be a dead-ended item. I actually have three specific features that I, that I love in SimpleMind. One, I agree with you, the images are a neat capability. SimpleMind provides the ability to not only embed images into it, but link to external images. So I can grab a URL for an image off of the web and drop it into a node and be able to pull that image back in. Secondarily to that though, I have the ability to link to documents from nodes. So if I have a document library, say for example, development requirements, or maybe the contract for a particular engagement, mm -hmm. I can create a node, say, contract, and link it to that specific document. And I never have to go find that document again. I've created this virtual mental map. Well, it's not really a mind map at that point, but it's a virtual node connection of all these different assets that I need availability to. 
And the third one is not something that you normally expect mind mapping to be for, is that task tracking capability. To be able to put checkboxes on all the nodes under a parent node. The reason why I like that with SimpleMind is that the parent node gets an indicator that shows the progress of all the task checkboxes underneath it. So even yeah, that's if those powerful. Are, yeah, even if those are collapsed down, I can still get a sense as to how, how much progress is being made on those different nodes. So what I'm going through, and for example, I use, as I mentioned before, I use mind mapping a lot when documenting requirements on a particular project. As I'm going through and executing the project, and I meet a particular requirement, I'll check it off in the mind map. And at any time, I can see how many requirements are left, or have I finished an entire segment? And I'll have segments such as UI and data dictionary and um, Q&A testing and things like that. So I have a real good sense that everything's getting done. Something that might be a bit overwhelming if I have a master task listing, this gives me a different way to view it. Plus, I can spit it out as an outline with the checkboxes if I really want to. And, and you, make, you make me think, as you were sharing that, because this is something I have done, and is we create the mind map, and then for the actionable, especially when, you know, I, I have used uh, OneNote, for example, because it's great in to bring them, you bring the mind map there, and now you bring all the actions, so you can do all those tagging, all that information, you can bring them into an outline format that people is more comfortable and keep, you know, the evolution week by week. So, so let me ask you, what, what or how do you do that? Okay, fine. We create a mind map or in that team and this project is going to last X amount of days. Did you, or X amount of weeks, did you come back to that mind map or you move it to a different tool or you have done both? What's better? What's I... better for you? For the most part, if I create a mind map for, let's say, for a, a, I'm going to develop a website or I'm going to work with a team to do that, I will revisit the mind map myself frequently. If I need to share the content of that mind map, I will do one of two things. I will either visually share it through a shared meeting so they can see the environment, or I'll do an export to, say, an outline format, extract it out and drop it into an email. Um, I don't typically hand over my mind maps to anyone else just because I find that people think differently and because mm -hmm. they think differently, you wind up with these weird conglomerations of ideas within the structure. Now, that's right. now that said, I have created master mind maps. <coughs> Excuse me. For example, simple mind gives you the ability to connect to other mind maps. I can, okay. create, an, I can create a node and branch it to another one. By doing that, I can say, you know, troubleshooting steps, create a mind map for troubleshooting steps and connect it to my master mind map and then give that troubleshooting one to somebody else and they can flesh that out and they can track it and they can execute it. I always have direct access to that then, be able to drill down into it. And nicely enough, uh, those task items can roll up to mine as well. So I can then see it and expand on it and dig into it. So when working with others and, and revisiting that, that mind map, uh, I try to avoid it being a single-use document unless that's truly its objective. So, for example, if I'm trying to create a presentation that I'm going to deliver two weeks from now, I'll use a mind map to create the core structure of that. <coughs> Excuse me again. And then I will actually create the presentation. From that point forward, there's no reason to go back to that mind map because the objective has been met. Right. Now, I, I may use it in the future if I have to create something equivalent to that. I'll also utilize it to possibly create a template for similar types of things, especially brainstorming sessions and things like that. I have multiple templates that I start with around, for example, if you're mm. going to build a SharePoint site. I have a template for mind mapping the basic requirements of, its, of a SharePoint site. And it identifies all the key things that I know we need to cover. I don't want to have to think about that, but I can just pop that open and then walk through it, make sure everything's been opened and addressed, and then I know I've captured everything. It's, not, it's no different than you would have in any other tool. It's just an effective way of using the tools 
to do those types of exercises. But this is one of those things, if you've never tried mind mapping, I highly suggest you do it. And you make sure that you've got access to a community or you reach out to people who have done this before so that not if, but when <laughs> you get confused as to how to put it to use, you can ask questions. It's one of the reasons why we have the uh, productive professionals, uh, uh, the personal productivity club is to be able to go to a place and say, hey, I just started mind mapping and I did this. How can I do it better? Those are the types of places that being able to have those questions answered can really make or break whether you start to implement mind mapping as part of your cross-platform productivity solution. Correct. So, so in the closing, let's go exactly there. Okay, I am new or I'm an expert or I do mind mapping in different. One of the things I think in which we have agreed on this show is the device you're using will bring you a different way of think. And actually, if we go to Tony Busan uh, knowledge, the color that you're using on the mind map will also make you think into different things. And that's part of the reason why you want to use different colors when you do some of the things. So that way you start thinking or get the process to think in different ways. But what advice do you have for this person who wants to do this, who wants to think into different ways, and even who wants to bring their team? Maybe they are they have been used this for a while, but never thought, okay, I can bring my team into this. One of the things I see a lot with productivity tools, especially in the personal productivity world, is okay, I use the tools, but I have never come outside to embrace my team, to make my team use the tool, to share the tools with my team. So I know how to do them really well, but you know, I try once to talk about task list and my team look the other way and I call it a day. Now I'm really more interested on how can I do this better. This is this is one of the hardest things for people to cross because you need to take time using mind maps yourself for mm -hmm. yourself and develop a level of confidence in how it works. How do you explain it to yourself? Do you understand the core concepts before you put yourself out on that limb on the projector in front of everybody else to try and lead this different way of thinking? If you have other people who have interacted with it, it's much easier because they've already gone through that first exercise. But getting comfortable with mind mapping personally in that sheltered environment of your own little space is an absolute must in my book. We learned how to do outlining in school. We learned how to take notes in school. We never learned how to do this before. I mean, the closest thing, it's ironic, but the closest place you would have learned how to do something like this would have been art class more than anything else. So this is totally new territory for the majority of the people who start working with it and taking some time to recreate things that you've already created can be a big stepping stone. So for example, let's take vacation planning. I always try to use something, you know, related context. Take a list or take the plans you put together for a previous vacation and see, can I create a mind map of that? How did that, how would I duplicate that to get all that information into a mind map? And not just the click here, click here, but do the ideas make sense? Do they relate to each other in ways that I could have used or I could use? And really, and this is where the light bulb will go on, you'll know you've crossed the line when you do that exercise mm -hmm. and you discover things that you didn't have in your original list. When you have ideas that come up that, did, that weren't in your original list then you'll start to recognize how this catalyzes your thinking. 
And I really encourage this for people who struggle with focus. Uh, it's, it's very difficult. I struggle with focus quite a bit. And mind mapping can give you that freedom to bounce around. You don't feel like you have to go 1, 1A, 1B, 1C, 2. You can let your brain go wherever it needs to go. And then if you hit a dead end. Bring it back. Right. If you hit a dead end in one node, fine. You jump over to another node and allow that reset to happen and allow your brain to start to explore that area. It's extremely useful. I won't say it solves focus challenges because that's always going to be a challenge, but it doesn't fight you on it. And you, and you won't feel the frustration of working with an arbit, within an arbitrary construct. You'll have the ability to go in and say, I'm going to make this whatever it, I want it to be. And I have found that I've got myself over mental roadblocks just by sitting there and dragging nodes around and making the little circles move and making the little lines move and changing colors of things. Yeah, and moving. And I, and I agree exactly. with you. It will allow you to get in the weeds as deep as you need to go, but also allows you to follow the line back to get back to what you need to think and where you need to go. And I think there is an incredible amount of power into that. Yeah, if, if you really want to explore this idea more, uh, I also recommend find episode 94 of Productivity Cast because this is one of the episodes where Augusto, myself, Francis, and Ray dug into mind mapping as well. And Ray is a very avid mind mapper, and I believe Francis is as well. Uh, these are the kinds of things where it's always good to see alternative perspectives. Correct. And, and get ideas as to, hey, you know, I can try this. The one last thing I want to say, though, there is no right or wrong way to create a mind map. Do not let anybody tell you that. Do not let anybody allude to that, that, oh, that's not the right way to say it. If they tell you that, they are wrong, not you. Mind maps are completely whatever you want them to be if it helps you work through your mental constructs. That is correct. There is no right or wrong way to do this. And it is really, again, a wonderful tool. And if you have questions, doubts, ask. Because we will, I know a ton of people, Art, myself, Francis, mm -hmm. Ray, and a ton of other people who will love to help you into this. But this is the end of the show. So follow us where you like to listen podcast, like us or subscribe to us and leave us a review. You can also interact with us on personalproductivity.club. We are Augusta Binat and Art Gilwicks and see you next time.